This is the Pursuit of Endurance podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pursuit of Endurance podcast. I'm Nikhil. Hi everybody, I'm Arpana. All right, before we get into today's episode, we recognize we haven't been diligent in releasing episodes at the same frequency every week. We are trying our best to get the edits out on time. We still have three more episodes lined up for editing right now, but we are trying our best. So thank you for your continued support. Thank you for the listenership. In this episode, we are speaking with the remarkable Partha Varanashi. He is a high performance coach, aquatic educator, organic farmer, molecular biologist, Team India's swim coach in the 2019 FINA World Championship, and an aspiring poly extreme sports athlete. Partha cares deeply about climate change, sustainability, life saving skills, and of course, athlete performance. He's fondly known as Coach Partha also as Captain Planet. Let's get into this one. Welcome to the Pursuit of Endurance podcast. We're speaking with Coach Partha today in his farms called Varanashi Farms. It's nestled in the middle of the Western Ghats. Without further ado, Partha, welcome to the show. Thank you guys. Uh, it's fantastic to be here and I'm glad to share uh, whatever I know and talk over here. Absolutely. So why don't we start with, with a bit of background on yourself? Well, I was, um, you know, I'm born and brought up in this farm. Um, 35 years ago, I started my journey on planet Earth. <laughs> my parents were into organic farming, mm-hmm. even though they studied, like they did their master's and they did uh, P- their PhD, they never decided to get out of this farm, go out of the step out of the farm. They traveled quite a bit preaching about agriculture to everyone, uh, but they stayed here. So I grew up um, going to the local schools, uh, mingling with the local village guys. Um, it was fantastic. And I had an opportunity to be very close to nature. Um, the farm wasn't the same back then. Uh, we had just getting into organic farming back then um, but still it's a lot of space to move around run around and stuff and a lot to learn uh, my grandfather was a um, he's, he's the guy who started Canco a cooperative farmer society which uh, empowered the farmers back in the 70s 80s and the 90s and um, yeah along growing up along with him close to nature, um, doing a lot of different sports, um, learning about agriculture and science as well. All right. So you do play a lot of sports. I mean, other mm. than swimming, you do a lot of other things. Can you tell us about all of that and how you sort of uh, bring in uh, all of those sports along with your swimming? How does that come together for you? How does, how does it help with the swimming maybe? Yeah, you know, it's funny like, now that I'm that in this place that I can answer this question more clearly, um, but you know it's been a journey to reach here, and it started off uh, with my parents. Obviously, my father wanted to put me into swimming. My mother was an athlete, track and field, mm-hmm. and she got me into um, athletics early on. 
I never really trained professionally as such under any uh, coach. Um, it was difficult back in the days. But then I was uh, quite sporty throughout my schooling, uh, even college and stuff. But it wasn't until I went to Australia for my master's, which uh, was in 2000, between 2007 to 2012. I, while I was studying, I was doing my master's in uh, agriculture biotechnology, molecular biology in specific. I got into um, swim coaching as a part-time job and I got an opportunity to mingle with a lot of different people in um, aquatic industry and then also had an opportunity to hang out with uh, rock climbers, slackliners, skateboarders, um, permaculturists who are really outdoors all the time, um, started surfing, um, doing a bit of surf life saving, so all these different sports. Um, that I got introduced over there. Um, when I decided to come back to India, I knew that I was going to miss. So I was planning my return back to India and wanted to bring all these sports back to India mm-hmm. so that I wouldn't miss Australia much. Like you know, And yeah, I came back, started a swim club, um, started surf club, and then started interacting with um, people from different sporting background. And it wasn't until recently I realized the importance of it. Um, yeah, I used to do parkour as well in Adelaide. I missed that. I was a part of Adelaide Parkour Club. So yeah, um, until recently when I read this book um, called Rise of Superman by Stephen Kotler, who talks about action and adventure sports. Um, you know, that's what my passion is, other than swimming, uh, action and extreme sports. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is dangerous, but uh, now there are um, all these sports are developed and they're, they're the safety is, um, they've taken care of safety as well in, the, in there. And it's more professional these days. So what it says is, higher the consequences, greater the results. Higher the consequences, greater the results. When you really push yourself to the max, uh, that's when your, um, your development happens the most. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like your microcycle starts smashing down on you and you, you're adaptations really fast um so compared to a pro sport athlete an action and adventure sports sport athlete performs much higher in a higher speed as well so yeah all this kind of made really sense to me and it's it's very clear to me um as a high performance coach now um yeah so started doing all these different kind of sports so i would say i surf i skate um, I do slacklining, I am into parkour, um, do a bit of diving, um, high boat diving kind of mm-hmm. thing. And then, um, yeah, of course, swimming, um, been to a couple of world championships mm-hmm. in swimming. Um, and more, anything, any physical component you throw at me, um, I'm willing to try it out and uh, mm-hmm. challenge myself. I have to say, I don't even know what some of those, couple of those terms mean. <laughs> Partly. We'll, we'll save that for another podcast. Yeah. And you're a very smart guy. How does the molecular biologist and the high performance coach converge? Oh man, it's, uh, okay. Um, I think it's, it's brilliant for me because uh, now when you see you're wearing a shirt, right? It, it's a specific shirt. Now, if you want to get into details, you want to see what fabric it's made up of, right? So when you know the fabric, you can get a performance out of that T-shirt. Now, people call this a sportswear as a performance wears, right? To develop that, you need to know what fabric has gone into it. Mm-hmm. So the same way, um, the high performance, the human high performance, like if you want to get 
an athlete to uh, to top out or perform at his peak, then if you want to see what's the fabric he's made up of, mm-hmm. and his molecules, like in the cells, cells are made up of molecules. So I call um, our cells as consortium of molecules, mm-hmm. just like anything in the nature. Um, molecules are nothing but these atoms combined together, which are available in the soil, which is absorbed by your plants, and then we eat it, or they they're eaten by animals and we eat animals, uh, non-vegetarians, and then make up our cells. So if you understand at that level, uh, there's nothing beyond it, mm-hmm. right? Um, like whether it's the genetics or whether it's the food, what we eat, or whether it's the training that we do, which connects every single cells in your body and gives you that uh, ultimate br- control on the, br- the brain control, the body control that you have. Uh, to develop your agility, mobility, stability, flexibility, and overall the body control, and knowing the rules of that particular sport, and to be able to perform at the best. Um, yeah, so I think this the science part that I studied, the molecular biology is helping me quite a bit to link out like this. I don't know if I can explain this very really well, but it's it's been a journey for me, mm-hmm. um, not just not just the the master's program or not just the coaching aspect of it. It's all coming together or being an athlete myself. Right. So it's all coming together. Could we say that you do bring a lot of science to mm. your coaching aspect? Yeah, most certainly. Yes. Yeah. How, how would that coaching distinguish from conventional coaching? You talking about conventional coaching in India or conventional coaching in the rest of the world? Well, let's stick with India for a second. Okay. To start off with India, the, the biggest issue here is um, most of our, in, with no offense to anyone, coaches are there because it's a, it's a job. Uh, not all, I'm not talking about the, all of them, I'm talking about the majority of people. It's a job for them rather than it's a passion or that's what they really want. So when that's the case, you end up following the system like people get workouts out of the internet yeah. or they get they attend a course coaching course and just blindly follow um you know if you want to be if you want to prepare the best in the world you can't just follow someone if you're following it's a really old routine you know like any technology for example your iphones the technology in iphone which it's developed in some university like some five or ten years ten years ago mm-hmm. and then it's bought by some big company and then they use it in the developed countries. And then after five years, then it kind of um, trickles down into developing countries. Mm-hmm. And then by the time it gets to the people, um, it's actually put to action. It's a good 10 to 15 right. years old. In terms of swimming, we are more than 30, 40 years old mm-hmm. in, in, in India. There is something called a long-term athlete development program, which has not been followed in India at all. Um, so from there, we need to come into the what the world is doing right now. Mm-hmm. And from there, and then there is this thinking beyond that. So um, I'd like to consider myself there, like um, not what the world is thinking, but a little, little ahead mm-hmm. um, with the science background and with me being athlete myself. Um, I like to call myself an aspiring polyathlete. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't just do one sport. I mean, I might have gone... Um, in international meets in um, just swimming, but I'm a national athlete in um, surfing, in athletics. Um, if there is a parkour championship, sure, I'll be uh-huh. there. Uh, 
downhilling maybe, uh, if not skateboarding, slacklining, um, not the best out there, but I'm getting there. So um, with all this experience, um, I'm out there laying my own, my own path uh, with my team. So I've got a solid team with Nirup, um, Lokesh, Rohit, Nish, bunch of them. Uh, they're all doing brilliant stuff. So we're all out there quite confident of ourselves, what we're doing. And we're kind of seeing that result as well. And mm-hmm. the path is pretty clear ahead. So it's quite different from what the other people are doing out there. Absolutely. Earlier today, we had the pleasure of going to the old farm that you took us around. Yeah. Uh, showed us what's grown, how it's grown. And I could I could sense the passion you have about sustainable food, organic farming. And you mentioned we are what we eat. And it's a common it's a common phrase that's thrown around, but I think what you said had a lot more depth. Yeah, simple. We've studied this. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It just transfers from one form to another. Um, so same way, uh, the molecules out there they they form go from one to another, and by the time they come to us in the form of food, we chew them, we digest them, we ingest them, we digest them, and by the time they picked up in by our intestine and getting into our uh, bloodstream they're in molecular level like they're molecules and they are picked up by each cells um, our code the dna has that uh, sends out the rna which picks up all these things and makes our cells how we are our eyes or our our muscles or our um, bones or whatever we are or internal organs so they are always constantly developing. Mm-hmm. So the parts for this development comes from the food that we eat. So it's very important to see where our food is coming. So for an athlete, yes, workout is very important. They need to stick to their regimes. They need to do their um, solid training. The training and adaptation happens. But a part of adaptation is um, you know, the breaking the muscles and rebuilding them. If you're rebuilding them, where does the rebuilding happen from? The, you need the raw materials for it. That comes from our food. And it's very important to see where the food is coming. So I keep pushing about this organic farming. There are two different reasons for it. Uh, obviously, one is to fight against the climate change uh, because uh, the chemical farming is a huge, has a huge carbon uh, footprint, um, whereas organic farming is a lot less, natural farming is a lot less. But the second most thing from um, selfish perspective, like from um, athlete's perspective, uh, if the food comes from natural sources, they have uh, these natural molecules which have been recycling over um, millennia, right? Um, As compared to chemical fertilizers which is coming in from a factory to your soil. Now the problem in getting these chemical fertilizers into the soil is they stop the natural cycle. The natural cycle happens because of the worms present in the soil, because of the bacteria present in the soil. Just like it's present in our gut, the bacteria and fungus are present in the soil, help the breakdown of this organic material into uh, whether it's nitrogen, phosphorus, um, potassium, all the nutrients that plant requires to form what um, you know the, the food for us. So uh, when we eat organic food, um, the components which coming to build our body is are solid, are um, original. I would like to say original rather than factory made. So it's uh, very important um, to be mindful of where our food comes from for two reasons. One selfish reason. Another one is a long term selfish reason, so that we survive. You know, we I uh-huh. I think we are we are obviously in an Anthropocene. You know, uh, call it Kaliga. 
and uh, the major change is happening unless we do something dramatically um, to change this climate change uh, we're going to struggle in the next 20 years starting from this year itself uh, you know 2020 has been very significant mm-hmm. people are opening their eyes now so we, because for these two reasons we uh, really need to think about um, where our food comes from mm-hmm. that's what i was talking about earlier oh it's great yeah so on that note about food uh, what kind of food do you suggest that people eat you know i know you're saying you're organic but mm. uh, what kind of food on and uh, how should the food be like uh, so that it helps people perform well as an athlete yeah um well i'll have to say in my opinion for this one because uh, i'm not a nutritionist uh, but i've done quite a bit of experiment with myself and with athletes around me and i've understood that I'll start from here, right? Uh went to World Championship in mm-hmm. 2019, Gwangju, South Korea. For team so I was India. the team India coach for um the 2019 mm-hmm. FINA World Championship. Um there were two coaches representing uh, the Dronacharya <coughs> Nihar Amin, mm-hmm. one of the finest coaches India ever had, and I had an opportunity to go along with him mm-hmm. as a second coach uh with the team of nine Indian swimmers, the the best. Um when we went there Uh, in the dining area so dining area was like about 100 meters long and 50 meters wide it's a mm-hmm. huge tent you have the best the best in the world to um from people countries from india sri lanka everyone at the same time people like caleb dressel um akaring hosu nathan adrian all these champions are there and what i saw and in the buffet section it was a long 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 spread 60% of the food was raw Mm-hmm. the salad section just stretched out for 60% of mm-hmm. the the menu i wasn't the menu was around 45 50 different mm-hmm. dishes mm-hmm. and what i saw all, all these champions huge guys or super fit guys were gathered in that the first 60% the raw food section more than the cooked food section there was yummy cook, cooked food um, you know mm-hmm. and was all the other athletes were not really on the high on the ranking were spending eating in the cooked food section mm-hmm. so that was that i noticed on the very first day so i went into guangzhou weighing 72 kilos mm-hmm. after 12 days i came back weighing 68 kilos my muscle mass remaining absolutely the same mm-hmm. and my body fat um drastically reducing especially the visceral fat mm-hmm. which is the dangerous one mm-hmm. i had it around 260 and it dropped down to 110 or something mm-hmm. 110 or 20 something can remember um athletes like likit has 40 visceral fat mm-hmm. usain bolt has like close to zero it seems so um if it goes above 300 it's risking most of the indians have a lot higher like 10 yeah. 10 times higher yeah. so it's it's quite risky to have that um so the food i would suggest um you know we obviously need carbohydrates mm. proteins and fats and then vitamins and stuff this is what our nutrition says but what kind of source we get it from is very important i believe um as a molecular biologist i understand about these molecules um we are made up made from um we're carbon based life form you must have heard that mm-hmm. the reason carbon is such a versatile atom in a molecule is because it has valency of four like it can combine with more 
amount of other atoms and four molecules. For for those of our listeners who are like me, very poor in science, <laughs> uh, I'll try to put down some definitions later on. <laughs> I'll simplify it down. So it, it's a major, it's a brick. This is what we're made up of. Okay. Um, so these bricks, say you're building a house. Mm-hmm. Okay. And your architect has given a certain design and it needs a specific sized bricks. What if the bricks you've ordered doesn't turn up in a specific shape? Mm-hmm. What if it's out of shape? Your house is gonna not going to look the same as um, the architect has yeah. said, or it might not have the same strength that the architect has um, predicted like in, in his design, right? Because the shape of the brick is wrong. So when you process a food, okay, so when you cook it, processing starts from cooking. It could be now the it's processed so heavily and they charge so much more for a food which is absolute shitty uh-huh. because it's been processed uh-huh. and we eat that and we are not getting the nutrients in with or these bricks uh, in the right shape if these bricks amino acids are the building blocks of the cells this uh-huh. is eight standard science you uh-huh. you study this i, I did go to eight standard yes we <laughs> remember the term amino acids yes but building blocks, acid. <laughs> the second line is building blocks. Okay? So when these building blocks, so there are 21 different types of amino acids or some more, I guess. So these are all present in the food we eat. But if it's a processed food, they are out of shape. They, they call it denaturing. Okay, A protein which is exposed to 40 degrees or higher degrees Celsius start denaturing, especially something like lysine, which is required for our skin and stuff, gets deshaped very easily. And so... If you consume um, processed food, you're not really giving the right amount of um, nutrients to your body. Okay, so I would recommend, um, again, in my opinion, um, to eat sixty percent of your keeping your sixty percent of your food raw. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they come in the form of, uh, say, sprouts. Mm-hmm. All right, it could be types different types of beans, salads, or you know, even if you're eating rice, like try to cook it a little less you know mm-hmm. soak it more cook it less mm-hmm. you know if that makes sense so when you say processed it's it's you're not just speaking about packaged food no you're cooking, also speaking yeah. about how we cook and how yeah. we overcook exactly exactly that's a that's the biggest issues we have in india that we overcook our food it's mm-hmm. recently started wasn't the case hundreds of years ago mm-hmm. it's just a post post english era we just messed up completely i think do you think we overcook because we know there's chemicals in it and maybe <laughs> <laughs> well the the sad part is chemicals aren't going anywhere mm-hmm. no matter how much you cook no matter how much you wash they aren't going anywhere they are in the system okay so when a chemical fertilizer is used in a plant your 100% of the produce is chemical because mm-hmm. chemicals, fertilizers stop any other components, the natural components getting in. Mm-hmm. Because for the natural components to get in, or, or the, uh, what do we call as the green manure or the organic matter, it needs to decay. Mm-hmm. To decay, you need earthworms, you need millipedes, you need mm-hmm. centipedes mm-hmm. to eat and poop out that stuff. And that poop is then decom- further decomposed by microorganisms. And if you put chemical fertilizers, they all die. So there is nobody to do this process. So the only thing um, your plants end up taking is the fertilizers that manufactured in the factory, which either could go into your agricultural land or to make bombs. We've Uh seen that happening in Beirut, the massive explosion. 
and then they're coming into your grains so when we eat how oh, even if you you know cook it yeah. whatever you do it's ingrained in it's them. in yeah it is formed by them yeah. um so i mean that's why i'm really into pushing organic farming yeah. um less than 1% of indian farms are organic or natural these days uh, and it's getting worse year by year mm. so unless the the people who can afford to take organic or make that stand on and educate others So if we start making the move now 5 years down the line we might have 5% of our food coming to organic mm. like sikkim for example i mean i don't know how much is that is actually real or not but at least they have that motive to go organic and then another 10 years another 10% and then as we grow along we'll start eating real food mm-hmm. you know keep saying about food not bombs yeah. you know that we should trend that word food not yeah, bombs food yeah what is the move in your head that you think those who can afford to do this should do yeah i think um education uh, spreading the word more and more people talking about it and uh, the very first question people ask is hey organic is expensive we can't afford it mm-hmm. i'm like come on man you can't afford to you know spend so much on your other things which which are not that important compared to your own physical self you only mm-hmm. as of now we only have one one life mm-hmm. and people are always talking about how our body can't live without the mind mm-hmm. but i say other way around is true too mind can't live without, live without the body mm-hmm. um so it's very important that we invest on better health uh, on better tomorrow so if you're healthy at the age of 50 60 you can enjoy whatever you've achieved in your life or um you can even go further like my mother is 63 now and she i think she's fitter than me uh-huh. she doesn't yeah. look 63 yeah <laughs> she'll pass on for a 45 easily mm. yeah and she can do a 3 feet box jump no wow wow yeah and skip like 200 without uh, losing her breath um that's because she ate right food uh-huh. you know um our body is designed already the design is there the dna has our design it's just the food we give is important so it's important to educate one thing um and share uh, the second thing what we're doing is we are actually helping the farmers to go organic since a long time since 1993 um varanasi development and research foundation has converted over 1800 farmers into organic uh, we do this by uh, we produce organic manures so the first thing people say is like if i go organic as a farmer if i go organic i'm not going to produce enough mm-hmm. i'm not going to get enough yield i'm going to go under loss or i won't be able to feed the the people the too many people which is totally wrong so if you go in the right scientific way combine our traditional farming with the most modern microbiology our molecular biology and types of uh, selection breeding and stuff we can get there without hampering the nature we don't have to go um, dna manipulations or chemical fertilizers or fertigations or these crazy things we can easily maintain long lasting or long living um plantations with the organic farming so we're doing that um my parents did that um i was into completely high performance sports still till the corona lockdown happened and after that it's a, i i think educating people on eating right um living sustainably mm-hmm. bit of a minimalistic living and thinking about the future and to last this generation and give our children a better place to live because we've obviously borrowed the land from them um you need to have that kind of mentality yeah. if we have to live our lifespan happily 
Absolutely. And and you clearly have the facilities built up over here to what you were saying. Can you speak a bit about the farm itself outside of uh, what's grown here? I saw a bunch of kids run around mm-hmm. today and I think they're doing some performance later in the evening. Yeah. So what is what is the program you have? I saw a couple of swimming pools, uh, ponds, there's a yoga platform, but that's all I saw. But I'd, I'd let you speak a bit more about it. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, ever since I was a child here, this house already had that kind of vibe. We would have more than 25 people for every single meal mm. in this house ever since I was born here. Mm. Probably like even centuries before that. Mm. My great-grandfather was known for that and even before him, it was the same. Um, so now what's happening is... Um, I have a certain vision and my parents kind of back it up. Uh, Dr. Rashuni Krishnamurthy is my mom and Dr. Varanashi Krishnamurthy is my father. So both of them uh, back it up quite a bit. We're in trying to, um, one, educate the younger generation. Uh, so the three pillars is obviously one is education mm-hmm. as uh, we know it today. And that's what has 30% of the value. Another 30% is life skills. Mm-hmm. When you teach them, um, you know, it could be cooking, it could be um, carpentry work, it could be agriculture work, um, basically like learning to live comfortably, um, like knowing a lot of different life skills. Mm-hmm. Third thing is uh, sports and life-saving sports. So in sports, there is both pro sports and action and adventure sports, um, because I think they need to go hand to hand to push the performance. And the second thing is life-saving sport. Um, we we are heading into, like year by year, the floods are increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, pandemics are there. So right now, the education, what our kids are having, you know, we need to ask the question, are they preparing, are we preparing the kids for the future which is coming mm-hmm. or not? So we need to see what future is out there and we need to teach the skills for these youngsters to survive in the, the future they're heading into. Um, yeah, so we do life-saving sports, we do uh, swimming as pro sports, we have a diving block, high-boat diving, so we teach them diving, uh, we have a, a skate ramp, so skating is fantastic for doing that connection between your cerebrum and the motor cortex and um, improve your physical literacy, so it's slacklining, is brilliant, we have a trampoline, we get them to jump a lot in that, we do parkour sessions. We have strength and conditioning sessions uh, with calisthenic bars, a lot of body weight training. Uh, we do uphill running, mm-hmm. hiking, a campfire kind of thing, dancing. Dancing is fantastic. Uh, and we've started doing capoeira right now as well. Mm-hmm. We have Capitao uh, over here with the Indian capoeira team. Um, so, yeah, all these different um, sports to improve their physical literacy um, t- till the age of 14, until they hit the puberty, mm-hmm. more diverse sports you expose them to uh, the chance of them emerging as better poly athletes are high so that's what we do here and we have facilities to for about 40 kids to stay mm-hmm. we have two two dorms um, and then like some camping grounds and stuff very basic accommodation they learn to take care of themselves between the age of uh, eight years to 14 years um, you know they help out in cooking they wash their own clothes mm-hmm. Um, they do a lot of other, learn all, a lot of other life skills as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's fun. It's been fun. No adults, huh? Only children. <laughs> <laughs> as of now, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we are planning something for the adults very soon. Maybe uh, 
uh, you see the thing with the kids they don't really complain so <laughs> with adults we need to have some uh, different facilities uh-huh. um, may, you know i can't put 40 adults in one dorm eh? oh, yeah. or two dorms <laughs> Oh yeah so, that'll be a nightmare. Yeah. Um next segment just to try to wrap things up here. What is your one piece of advice and I had asked a question earlier maybe you can repeat or elaborate a bit on that. Yes we want to have better food. Uh yes we want to have a better healthy lifestyle. Going organic seems to be the right thing to do. Uh, it seems to be a no brainer. But from what we know mass production is clearly geared at chemical agriculture right so that's kind of what we consume where do we start how do i source my organic groceries um yeah it's a, it's a tough question out there because there's a lot of organic shops out there and then we don't know whether where, where it's coming from yeah. so spend a good amount of time in your life understanding where your food is coming from so when you start keep keeping this time aside for it then the change will st- start happening Uh, there are some apps out there um I've heard about Farmizen there might be some more um where you can know where your food is coming from okay you can you can pay a visit and check out the place yourself hmm. so if you make that kind of investment in 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 your time or money or efforts um then the small small changes going to start happening hmm. so when you start tomorrow your friends will start and then there's will it'll be there'll be a, it'll be a trickle effect the butterfly effect um and 5 years down the line there is a huge interest for of people to know where your food is coming from okay so say if you uh, buy food from us uh, when we send out the fo- uh, packages we encourage them to come and see where it's grown like how we grow it so that's why we have the stays or um, farm stays and stuff so same way if more more and more people start demanding where their food comes from how their food is uh, produced then there is accountability unless the accountability comes um this change is not going to happen mm-hmm. i wasn't talking like this about a, a year ago till mm-hmm. then i was talking from farmer side because by the time the chemical farms effect shows up on you it takes about 10 years on a consumer mm-hmm. because they're all in parts per million um and then you eat it and then all these pesticides kind of um stays in your system for 10 years and then the problem starts showing up mm-hmm. but for a farmer he's handling it in kilos right. or maybe in tons okay and his land will be affected within 2 to 3 years his water system is affected straight away and then it's he's going to have health issues or she he's she's going to have health issues straight away so the whole change should have started from farmers and not the consumers and but it hasn't happened there was opportunity for that to happen there was a government project both central government and karnataka government projects wherein uh, they wanted to convert everybody into organic farming and in 2005 we had 1800 farmers converted into organic in this and the neighboring village uh-huh. and now only 60 are left the rest have gone back to conventional because the fertilizers are subsidized now chemical fertilizers and pesticides are subsidized and they are encouraged in the package of practices um so so it's not going to happen from that end so it has to start from the consumers and consumers need to be more aware of where the food is coming from and they need to make um make it accountable their food coming from so if it start now 5 years to 10 years down the line uh we will have the change but it's okay because our cells are reproducing um all the time like our skin cells gets replaced in 35 days 
So once we hit after 10 years, when we start doing uh, things right, then you will see the change. So it won't be of waste. It is worth the effort, time and effort you put into it so that we can have a um, longer, better lifestyle. Yeah. So we've, we've got to create a demand for the supply to increase. So today, while there is intent, but that, that isn't converting into real demand. Absolutely. Right. All right. Uh, so I would like to ask you a question. Um, what would you say to someone um, who's afraid of going to the pool? So I'm switching gears now. Uh, I know we, we've been talking about food, but uh, to someone who's afraid of even entering a pool, to someone like me, I'm totally scared of going into the water. So what advice would you give to someone like that? So generally that feeling comes from um, an incident that you must have gone through in your life. Um, we most of the time as the kids you know we always love to go into the water but the first thing I would say is take it really slow and you need to get comfortable step by step even if it has to be just putting your feet in water okay. spend good two three days just doing that and then go up till your knees and walk around with that get so comfortable that your body your brain understands the movement because water is a completely different environment right your weight is 12 times less the resistance is some hundred times more. The molecules are much more tightly packed compared to air. So you need to get, the brain needs to get that feedback. It's all about adaptation. It's all about getting used to that space. You know, you go to a new place, you might not sleep the first day. The next, after two, three days, you're fine. Mm -hmm. So exactly, take it step by step. Go up till your knee, go up, to, go up till your waist, and then till the chest, and then slowly try to bubble in. Take your time, do not rush, absolutely do not rush. Um, we do that in our program at the Natakalap Aquatic Center in Bangalore. Um, try it out. A lot of people have said this. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, within, uh, I will not say within 10 days we're going to teach you. Mm -hmm. yeah, three months it may take, but let it take that. You give that time for adaptation yeah. and it will happen. And once you get that confidence and then you will just jump your uh, performance. You'll start swimming very quickly. Mm -hmm. It's just about getting used to that space. That makes sense. Okay. Your one piece of advice out of everything you've said sounds like advice, uh, except for some science stuff you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> but your one piece of advice for athletes, not just necessarily swimmers, but any athletes. Love it. Um, yeah, I actually wanted to answer this question. So when you do your workout, okay, remember one thing. So we always try to use our hands or our legs. Okay, so when we work out, don't do a work, workout for legs. Don't do a workout for your arms alone. Okay? Always do a workout which requires entirety of your body to work together. As kids, we remember um, learning about this one thing where you take one stick, you try to break it, it'll break off easily. But if you pack 10 sticks together, they're so strong, you can't um, break it. So when you learn how to connect your muscles and uh, work as one single unit rather than your biceps or your triceps or your quads or your suprasmanaris or whatever. So try to connect everything together when you do any kind of workout. So choose the workouts which has this effect on your body, which needs, requires all of your muscles to come together and work as one. Um, that will give them um, huge results. So if it's just one advice, I would say that. Yeah, That's a great one. All right, I will turn it back to Arpana to bring it back home. Skateboarding or surfing? Which one? Sur surfing. <laughs> okay. Beans or sprouts? Sprouts. All right. Swimming in the river or swimming in the ocean? 
swimming river yeah oh river, river okay yeah. all right um your uh, favorite drink butterfly pea tea okay i didn't know that was a thing oh it's an elixir <laughs> all right and uh, coach partha or uh, farmer oh coach partha still oh all right okay excellent thank you thank you excellent partha thank you so much for well hosting us to begin with for letting us stay and we're yeah. in this uh, very cool tree house that I'm afraid I'll have to leave my son here for a few uh, for a few days uh, but uh, thank you for hosting us we've really had a great time and thank you for spending this uh, 30 40 minutes with us and um, you know giving us your piece of the story uh, I'm I'm very hopeful that your message reaches more people and uh, collectively we'll be able to improve that demand yeah i'm so thank glad you. we got uh, time to spend with you today learn from you partha very very inspiring thank you so much thank you so much thank you so much for hosting me in this uh, podcast and yeah looking forward we thoroughly enjoyed talking to coach partha and definitely learned a lot remember we are what we eat change definitely begins with us and instead of spending excessive amount of money on unnecessary plastic goods or gadgets Can we all start taking steps to take care of our planet? One important step towards this is to eat organic. Let's take care of ourselves and take care of our planet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with others and help us spread the word. Subscribe to our podcast at Spotify, Google Podcast or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. follow us on instagram at the pursuit of endurance you can leave a message or review us on the anchor website we would love to know how we are doing thank you for listening remember food, food not, not bombs, bombs.